Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, Grove.Church. And as usual, uh, we would love for you to send in questions. Uh, We take time as much as we can week over week to answer those questions that are sent in by you, our dear listeners. Uh, And so here's two ways you can send us a question if you haven't done so. Uh, I would, first side note, would love to encourage you to send us in a question uh, if you haven't done that yet. I know we get questions pretty frequently, but we always like to increase the library of people who are sending us questions. So you should totally do that. Back to how you can send us a uh, question. There's two ways. One is via email. Uh, the email address is info at grove.church. Send us an email, put in the subject line, a Let's Read the Bible podcast question, and then we will get those questions and be able to answer them as quickly as we can. Uh, or you can direct message our Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Marysville, Washington. Uh, feel free to send us a DM there. We get those questions there as well. And as I said, every week, as much as we can, we like to answer those questions. So we'd love for you to send them in. All right. Well, this week we are talking about the book of Colossians, Colossians or Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. I Colossae, guess which is a more fun way to say it, just to be honest That's with you. Colossae true. versus Colossians. Yeah. We talked last week about how theoretically, this is all very theoretical, but Ephesians could have been a circular letter to the region mm-hmm. with Colossians being a letter to a specific church and then Philemon being a letter to a specific person at a specific church, just like 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Um, but also, it could just be that there was a letter to the church at Ephesus and a letter to the church at Colossae too. So yes. don't quote us on that, listeners. But it's something to think about and kind of fun to think about as well. So uh, I'm going to take the reins today uh, as I did the work uh, a, little, a little behind the veil. We are recording uh, the last couple of podcasts of our year on the same day. And so Evan took one, I took the other one, uh, and I told him I wanted the easier one. So we're going to do a podcast in the book of Colossians. So I guess we should, yeah, just to say up top as well. So we have... Two more episodes this year. The which last is so one, sad. I know, our Christmas special, which will be fun. You don't want to miss next it. Next week will be on December nineteenth. It'll drop, and then we're gonna the next podcast episode after that will be January 9th. Yeah, so the, we're taking somewhere in the middle of January. Yep. So we're taking two weeks off, uh, mostly just because you know I don't want to fly back from California to record a podcast. <laughs> and, so uh, funny. We want to spend time with our families. Well, and the other thing too is like just so you know, we um, we love the kind of how God has created a community of people listening and reading the Bible together. Uh, over the last couple of years, we were just even this earlier today, looking at some of the stats and the downloads and just kind of seeing some of the growth and the fun pieces. So thank you for our listeners uh, for being a part of it. Thank you for uh, downloading the podcast. Thank you for listening to it on a regular and consistent basis. Um, but we also take time every year to try and just process through what does the next year look like? Because uh, we don't want it to be repetitive. We don't want it to be redundant. We want it to be intentional and strategic to continue dialoguing through scripture together. Uh, and so we do take a window of time to just pause, to process, to ask questions and to involve people um, in that. How can we continue to grow and get better in in our podcasting ways? So that's kind of that reason for that break too. First off, it's Christmas. We want to spend time with our families, which you should too. I hope you get to uh, spend time with your families during this Christmas season and New Year's season. Uh, but we also want to come back uh, continuing to build uh, on what God has been so gracious and faithful in helping us build so far in the podcast. So that's that's a big part of it. So uh, that being said, we're going to jump into the book of Colossians. Um, and as Evan already said, there there is some uh, potential speculation about uh, Ephesus being a regional book, Colossians being a church book, uh, and Philemon being a personal book. Um, but Today, we're talking about the book of Colossians where Paul is writing, still in Rome and in prison, because these these letters were written at the same time, 
uh, while he's in prison to the church at Colossae. Um, and so some resources that we're using today is the ESV study Bible, which I did use it by, by Ooh, the way, good uh, study Bible. using the essence of the new Testament, uh, by Elmer Towns and Ben Gutierrez, which these are staples, uh, as well as the new Testament in its world by N.T. Wright and Michael F. Bird. Um, those are the resources we're using. And so, um, just to jump in real quick, the book, uh, Paul, uh, again, writes that he's uh, writing the letter from prison. Um, it's, and it's most often dated um, in that time. This is kind of a rehash of last week's. It's very similar to Ephesians. Uh, and so you're going to kind of see from last week to this week, there is some overlap. I actually didn't even change some of the headings uh, as far as the section breakdowns Ooh. because uh, they were they were identical. Um, so the content is a little different, but they're identical in method and purpose. Um, so it's going to have a very similar feel as you read through it. Uh, and again, this one specifically to Colossae, uh, there are problems that are being addressed. So Paul is um, hearing a, a report from one of his trusted companions, Epaphras, uh, and these, and so pro- he addresses these problems uh, in this letter. Uh, and so some of the, just to quickly run through them, um, the new believers, there was a large Jewish population that was kind of influencing the church at Colossae. Um, and so they were, was this big push about observing some of the Jewish religious days, um, the ideas of strict diet. Uh, extreme self-discipline uh, and denial, uh, which is this, this this word asceticism of the body, which is like extreme uh, denial. I get this picture of the Da Vinci Code. I, I remember watching it years ago, uh, but it starts off with this Catholic priest like beating himself, whipping himself to submission and, and to control his self-indulgence. Well, there was, a, there was a sect of monks during the Black Death who did the same thing where they would, they would go through the streets and they would publicly whip themselves in the hope of, I don't know, well, they, God, I suppose. Well, that, and they believe that in doing this, it was going to control their self, their desire, their self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there is this, this teaching going on in Colossae of this same aestheticism of this same action of the body, which is extreme, this extreme self-discipline and denial. Um, It's all kind of mingled together with this philosophy and then also this prayer to angels where it's not just um, recognition of angels, but it's actually interceding to the angels to to, to pray on their behalf to God. Uh, And so Paul Paul just makes one simple solution, one simple statement, which is the entire focus of the book is this idea that Christ is preeminent. He is above all else. He is the mediator. Um, Well, I think you see it's with both groups um, trying to not let go yeah. of the past. Cause I think with the Jews, with the Jews, it's really obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Where you see, you have this kind of idea of, and I, I always feel bad about beating up on like the Judaizers because <laughs> so like, true. cause on the one hand, like, um, like, yes, what they're doing is wrong. It's a false gospel. On the other hand, like it is like a huge deal to say like, Hey, the religion that you followed and going back generations is now radically different. Like yes. that's not a thing that you would expect that expect people to be like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. no problem, <laughs> yeah, delete it. So, yeah. Um, but on the other side, I think a lot of the a lot of the angelic intrigue, I suppose, that you could say with a lot of the Greek churches, I think, also comes from not wanting to leave behind polytheism. Yep. So the idea of there's this pantheon of gods, and they all have different powers. Um, I think that's that's the thing that you that's the thing that people don't want to let go. Even going back to the the monk, uh, the monks during the Black Death. I think a lot of that is like the whole pagan idea of yeah. appeasing the gods, like so you know, true. And, and that weeds its way into Christianity because people, um, they don't take Paul's advice where it's it's Christ. Yeah, it's look to him. Yeah. This is what it is. Don't bring in the other um, traditions of religion. Yeah, at least. 
Well, I think it also, it ties into some of the things Paul even says where we'll see in a little bit that Paul celebrates suffering, but not in the sense of like, man, God's showing more mercy to me, but like he understands the value and purpose of suffering, allowing it in our lives is what helps develop maturity. It's a deeper trust in God's provision and faithfulness for who he is. And, and if you have this picture of um, the monk walking through the streets, whipping himself, and, and it's almost like he, trying to convince God to have mercy on us. Um, it's this like this victim, like, God, I need you. God, I need you. And it's trying to move him to compassion um, when he's already been moved to compassion. He's already done the ultimate the ultimate act of, of redemption, of, of dying and being risen again so we can be included. Um, and so this is the preeminence of Christ that that really Paul is hitting and he's laying this foundation that we'll see in a minute. Uh, but that's the solution. Like when it comes to these false teachings, when it comes to this influence of the culture of the Greeks and as well as the uh, large Jewish influence, uh, it, it is that at the end of the day, the solution is Christ, which sounds so Sunday schoolish, um, mm-hmm. but it's very true. Um, and so just a couple quick highlights of, of logistical things. Paul is the author. We see that internally, which is a lot of strong evidence that shows that, but also external, where a lot of the testimonies of our church fathers, um, I, I can't remember names off the top of my head, but uh, what's his name? Chrysostas? John Christostas. Yeah. So, but there's just different individuals that have affirmed Paul's authorship of the letter. It was written in AD 62, about the same time as Ephesians and Philemon, in Rome, why he was in prison. Uh, and so I'm breaking down the book, uh, much like... Um, Gutierrez does and Towns does in their book, as well as we saw in uh, Ephesians last week between two sections, one, which is the doctrine section, which is this is what we believe. And then even as we highlight last year, the ethics where this is what we do with what we believe, how we live in light of it. Um, And so you see in the first few chapters, which is the chapters one through two, you see this doctrine section. But Paul always takes a moment to introduce himself, affirm his standing as an apostle of God. So you see that at the very outset. Uh, and then this next section, as you jump past that into verses three through eight and the nine through 14, you see Paul takes a moment to thank, uh, offer thanks and prayers for the believers in Colossae for their tangible expressions of faith, hope, and love. He celebrates them. He thanks them uh, for engaging and living uh, in a manner that is uh, expressing deep faith, deep hope, and deep love. Um, and then he he writes his prayer. And one of the things that I love, and we did this um, I think we did in Ephesians, but a lot of all the Pauline letters is we read his prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I love sometimes to do is to stop and go through the prayers of Paul because they're so uh, exhortation driven. They're so encouraging and uplifting, but challenging at the same time. And so he says this in verses 9 through 14. uh, It says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have endurance or great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And the thing I love about Paul's prayers is they're just so profound. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not. They're not like prayers that you say at a dinner table, but they're really intentional, um, and they're really specific in how he words things and, and reminders. And the thing that I think I love about it, it's actually practically has challenged me with some of our follow up. When we have we have follow up that we do every week as pastors and staff, um, 
And it's not every day that I get to actually call someone and leave or, or actually pray with them specifically because of schedules or busyness or we just, I miss or they don't recognize a number. Um, and so sometimes I'll follow up with an email and say, hey, just want to, you know, I'm praying for you and I'll write out my prayer um, because I think there's something powerful about reading what was prayed over me um, and reading what was prayed over someone else. And that's what I think that Paul does is he, his prayer also carries the purpose of what he's trying to communicate. It's almost like you're setting up the message, right? Um, and so that's the tension. So that's the beauty of what Paul says um, in this prayer. Uh, and then from there, he shifts um, into the foundation of his entire letter. This is the preeminence of Christ filter. This is the challenge. And we see this in verse 19 to 25. Uh, and I'm going to read this section. There's going to be a little bit of scripture reading at the very front of this because there's just so much here that I want to make sure we highlight. Um, but it says this in verses 19 to 25. It says, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, make, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel you heard, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completely I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me to make the word of God fully known. This this is Paul laying a foundation and reminding people of the gospel. And we've seen this throughout the New Testament and a lot of these letters that Paul is writing, but also that John and Peter have written, but it's it's re-anchoring the, the, the Christian's faith to truth because one thing we can relate to today is there's so many different whimsical thoughts and ideas and philosophies that exist around faith in Christ and faith in God. Uh, and we have to daily be reminded of who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Uh, and it's a challenge that Paul addresses and understands from day one. And he's just reminding us, like, of all things, remember Christ. You are involved. You belong because of Jesus. And it's important that we recognize that in light of everything we do. Uh, as he continues on, he builds off of this, and he did, this is where, he, and we saw it towards the end of that passage, but he begins to celebrate suffering. Um, and it's not in the sense of like, hey, check me out, I'm hurting. Hey, check me out, I'm in prison. Hey, check me out, like, look how good I am. Um, but it really is this picture. He understands suffering to be uh, necessary in the Christian walk and in the journey that we have with Christ because it leads to maturity and growth. Um, and to be honest with you, today we don't like this. I just read... Um, a couple of days ago, the uh, working through the Sermon on the Mount myself in my own devotionals, um, but the whole idea of breaking down the Lord's Prayer, one of the, the final exhortations that we have in that prayer is to lead us not into temptation. Um, and the picture is not that God would protect us from anything that tempts us because the because Jesus in that moment and, and Matthew understanding as he's writing this is recognizing that temptation is part of a walk with Christ. What the what what Jesus is saying we should pray for is that we wouldn't be overtaken by temptation that causes us to fall away. It's not this prayer of like God, anything that tempts me, remove me from or remove from me. But it's this picture of anything that would cause me to stumble or fall away from you entirely, protect me from. Because the reality is, temptation is something we're all going to face. Paul is saying in essence the same thing, where it's it's this idea of suffering which is necessary for maturity and growth. Um, so that's kind of he jumps into the section and highlights and elaborates it. Uh, and then he jumps into this final piece of the section 
of doctrine, again, just laying a foundation of truth. Um, and he just, I'd, I'd calls out the teaching that he's been informed has been happening from Epaphras to the people at Colossae. Uh, and this is a, a section that I want to read, um, verses chapter two, verses six to 23. Again, one more big section, but this is Paul um, taking everything he just said about, don't forget Christ, suffering's normal part of it. Uh, here's, what's, here's what you're being taught. Here's the influences and the negative, the, the wrong gospel that you're being preached. Um, it says this, and so then, just as you have received Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, which is such a, that's, I mean, this is one of those. It's passages, a big end. Yeah. This is one of those passages that I remember growing up that I would, I would hear and it would stick with me and it would be an anchor verse or it'd be um, a profound thought that is just in the, in the entirety of the text. It's just a line that stands out um, because that, that has very big implications. Um, the fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. We see the fullest expression we possibly can in the person of Jesus. Um, and then Paul continues on. It says, and you have been, you've been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. Again, talking about the supremacy, the preeminence of Christ. You were also circumcised in him with the circumcision, not done with hands, but putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. This idea of sin being removed from our lives because of Christ's death and resurrection. Being set apart by, by yeah. Christ. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, anyways, uh, just the picture <laughs> being removed. That's right. Well, it's the whole like. Um, yeah, circumcision just is weird. It also yeah, it also means something completely different today. Yeah, like absolutely. Back, but back in that day, that was the way that um, Jewish, particularly men, obviously, yeah, were kept separate from <laughs> from the rest of the world. Yes. That was a thing that they did that no one else did. Yes, it was a, it was an indicator that they were God's people. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is this picture of removed being the sin being removed because of Christ, the work of Christ on the cross. Um, and I, anyways, I was gonna say it's not it's not painless. It's painful. To, to deny and, to, and for sin to be removed in our lives, it's painful. Um, it says this, when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with, raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us of all our trespasses, which again, it's so deep and profound. He erased the certificate of debt with, with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These were those Jewish traditions. These were those Jewish laws that, that were being preached. You still need to do these things. Uh, they were a shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ, verse 17. In essence, he's saying Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament law. Now, it doesn't mean we do away with it, but he's fulfilled it. And now we go forward and it says this, let no one condemn you, but by delighting in aesthetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm. Such people were inflated by empty notions of their own spiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons grows with growth from God. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to the regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All of these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although they have a reputation of wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, 
they are of no value in curbing self-indulgence. And I just love the, the, the direct, the directness that Paul takes. Right. Um, he talks about this idea of Jewish rites, the laws of purification. And he says, the, that old way of living has been fulfilled in Christ. And now we live in a new covenant. Uh, and, and it reminds me, we just got done working through a class led by our, our lead pastor and leading, I would say probably 80 to 90 people of our church family um, through this book called The Irresistible, which is, which is pretty controversial in some, in some circles around the world, but the, not around the world, around uh, the church. Um, but it really is this picture of the Old Testament being fulfilled. And we live in light of the fulfillment of the Old Testament, which means we don't do away with it, but we understand it better to then in, in turn remember and understand the entirety of the New Testament and what it means for the believer and, and us today. Um, so Jesus is, Paul is re reiterating that Christ has fulfilled, Christ has done what he said he was going to do. Uh, so these things that you're being held um, to a standard of, they don't carry the same weight. They don't carry the same influence anymore. Um, when we're taking, I, th I think it's very intentional that Paul uses the um, the illustration of the shadow, because the Greeks at this time, a lot of them would have been familiar with um, Plato's cave and the whole allegory. And then yep. the whole idea, just to, like really quick, the whole idea of it is um, someone living in a cave in such a way that they cannot see outside, but the light gets in so they can see shadows of what is outside. Um, and so the whole idea is that there's a fuller truth of things behind what they are. And I think it's, it's, especially, it's especially applicable because um, I think it's what Christmas is. Like we're in the yeah. Christmas season. Um, as I look to my left, there's Christmas trees in the room. Like it's just one of those things. Uh, me and my wife are getting Christmas shopping done tonight. Like we're in we're in the full throes of the season. Um, but I think what can be dangerous is Christmas, the holiday, the the season is a shadow yeah. of that reminds us of God coming into the world. For yeah. for his redemptive plan to I won't I don't want to say start because it's been going forever but for yeah. it really to like kick into I don't know kick into high yeah. gear I guess you can call it what I think in, in early church it would be the start like it would be a re like this has started we need to understand it in its entirety mm -hmm. um, and I totally agree and I think that that's I mean again just to be transparent one of the things that we were process I was processing was do we do we talk through Colossians do we talk through Philippians because I know we're reading those books and we have yet to do an episode on those um, and unfortunately we're going to end the year without Philippians but. Oh, no. um, but because of the time of the year, because it's Christmas time and this idea of the preeminence of Christ, I think it's so important to stop and remember in light of everything. It's about Jesus. Um, and, and total side note, dude, we just told my, my daughter just found out Santa, Santa doesn't exist. Oh my God. Um, we were, we were able to communicate like St. Nicholas exists. He was a historical figure. Um, and you and I, I think we did an episode on this. Yeah. Was it last year? Maybe the year before, but Saint we did a St. Nick episode. Gave gave gifts to the poor, made sure that the poor um, women in his uh, bishopry or his, his yeah. town were taken care of and punched a heretic in the face at yes. the Council of Nicaea. And that's that's the best thing in the world. Good old St. Um, Nick. According to Devin. So, but that that's them, the tension. So trying to help navigate this. But at the end of the day, my wife and I have been praying like, God, help us to, to help the wonder of Jesus captivate our heart and mind this season. That it wouldn't be about gifts and presents. That those that those are shadows revealing the truth of who Jesus is and the provision He has. So Paul is addressing and highlighting these things. Um, he also like the the reality of the influence uh, of the culture of this idea of worshiping angels, which we talked about briefly. But it's I I feel this tension too. Like I know people that they pray to saints and they pray to other individuals to mediate the, on their behalf for to God. And Paul's statement is like Christ is the mediator. That, that's who it is. It's not, no one else 
asking other people to pray on your behalf is lesser than trusting in Christ to be the mediator who he promises to be. And we see a glimpse of that in John 17 as well. So he addresses this idea of, of worshiping. And then he just says this whole self-denial, this aestheticism, this extreme uh, self-abuse actually doesn't do anything to stop the indulgences of the flesh, which again, I already reiterated. Like the, the reality is he's just point blank calling out like these things are the things you're being taught, but they but they don't do what you think they're going to do. If anything, they make you harm yourself more because you you think because you're not able to curb your indulgences, your desires, that you need to be harsher to yourself. When the only way that we become, we find freedom from the flesh, from sin, is through Christ's death and resurrection, which is what Paul was laying the entire foundation. And so he ends this section with this idea of this is what we believe. Mm-hmm. And this is the truth of who Jesus is and what he's come to do. So that's what we need to remember as he jumps into the rest of the argument. And before we jump into our ethics section, we would like to remind everyone to, hey, you know, leave us a five-star review. Please do. Um, particularly on Apple Podcasts. But if you're if the app you're listening on allows for reviews, that that helps too. Um, but a bunch of the popular ones, they don't. It's kind of weird. They don't, which is, I actually looked this up too, because I think I said last week, wherever you're at, just leave a review. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the Spotify doesn't let you. Um, Spotify, you change that. Um, the podcast app, which is one that I use, doesn't let you. So, Wacky. Um, so yeah, if, if you download, just like Holly did last week, if you download the app and leave a review and then delete it afterwards, that's fine. It just helps us grow the community too. So, and currently we're sitting at 59 reviews. Um, yeah. I would love to see 60 by the by Christmas time. So is 60, it'd be a Christmas present for Evan and I. Is 60 an important 60. number? Not really. No, but it's, it's, a, it's round a round number. number. Exactly. <laughs> you, just, you don't want to leave it at a nine. That's no fun. So would love for you to do that um, and just continue to help us grow uh, the reach of this podcast. So thanks for tuning in and being part of it. Which then shifts us into our, uh, our final section here, which is ethics. This is, again, a reminder. This is what we do based upon truth. This is how then we should live. Um, and so... He reminds, um, he reminds us in light of the gospel, in light of who Jesus is, in light of the, the freedom we now have, um, he tells us what we should do. And the first thing he says right out the gate is th- seek things above. Look to where Christ is seated. That's where we start. Um, because it's really easy to get caught up in the philosophies and the ideas and the concepts of the world around us. Even with uh, fancy words and eloquent speeches, the reality is Jesus is where we start. Jesus is where we stay focused on. Um, and then he puts, he gives us a list that I want to read. Um, and he, the idea of put to death and then put on in place of, uh, is this challenge that we have as we're looking to Christ, we will then become more familiar with the things that are called to be put to death and how to put them on. He says this in Colossians chapter three, verses five through 17. Um, I promise this is the last big section I'm going to read. It says, therefore put to death, what belongs to your earthly nature colon, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And once you walked in these things, you were living in them. When you were li- And once you walked with these things, when you were living in them. But now, put away all of the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practice, and put on the new self. You're being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator, which is why it's so important to keep our eyes focused on Jesus because that renewal happens. And he says this in in verse 11, in Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I've said this before, but if there's ever a verse that's going to preach to us today, it's that verse. 
as God's holy ones dearly loved, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience should be what marks us, not other practices. Then it continues on. It says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also are to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in among you, in all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's such a it's such a stark contrast for those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ, those who are living in light of the truth of Jesus and those who are still living in the darkness and unknowing the grace and the hope of Jesus. And Paul brings out this list and says, here's things. How do you know where you're living? How do you know what what truth you're living to if it's this false teaching or this the, the, the lies of the culture around you or the, the truth of who Jesus is and what he came to do? These lists show you very clearly sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed. Uh, he continues on anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language, um, d- lying to one another. He says these things are showing you where you're living and showing you what you're living in, in, in accordance to. The ethics of your life reveal what you actually believe. And then he makes a list of things. What This is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to represent Christ well. And and I think that I think we would all do well to constantly reevaluate. And that's what I love about Paul. He he. It's sometimes very hard to follow and read, but then there's other times he just hits the nail on the head and you just get, you know, straight shot to the heart. Cue that song. But um, that's the tension. So he says, put to death the things of, of, of the flesh, of sin. And, and what I, what I want to be clear about, I think is important to understand practically for us today, it's not to say that we shouldn't have these things in our lives, but it's to say when we recognize them and see them in our lives, our call is to immediately surrender them and repent of them to Christ. Because he has already paid the way for sin. And those are just indicators of the, the sanctification process still happening in our lives, where we're still becoming holy to become like Christ. Uh, so he, he, he puts a contrasting, a very stark contrasting list. Um, we saw this last week in Ephesians. We see rules for Christian households where he talks about husbands and wives, children and fathers, masters and slaves. Then he talks about this work ethic. In essence, do, as, do everything you do is unto the Lord because you're serving the Lord, which I think is so challenging and, and, and powerful to think about, are the things that I'm doing today in, in light of as if I'm serving Jesus or if, are they serving another master? Um, and then he says at the very end, final exhortations and a call to prayer, uh, where he just says, he, he just lists off a couple quick hit, hits. And then he says, and pray for us that we would continue to have opportunities to preach the gospel. I think this is a big deal because Paul's in prison. He's not able to go about and go and do what he feels he should be able to go and do based upon the call of God to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to the world at large. He's in Rome um, and he has one of two options. He can sit there and complain about his situation back. Like, well, I, I'm limited. I can't fulfill God's mission. I can't fulfill God's call in my life. But he recognizes that God's call can still move forward no matter my circumstance. Uh, and I think it would be really good for us, including myself, even as I'm reading, I've read through this and I'm reading through it again, is just to be reminded, like my circumstances don't dictate God's call on my life. My circumstances may may have some kind of impact on my on God's call in my life to preach the gospel, to go therefore in all the world and make disciples. Um, but it doesn't limit me. It doesn't prevent me from doing it. It just means I have to be, be creative and figure out new ways to do it. That's what Paul did. 
Paul sat in, in chains, recognizing there's still opportunity to preach Christ. And so I don't know your circumstance. I don't know your situation. I don't know your family circumstance, but I think it's worth remembering that you and I, no matter what we're facing, there's an opportunity to preach the gospel. And Paul is in the midst of, of prison saying the very same thing. Pray that we would have opportunities uh, to preach the gospel and continue to do so. He gives us final greetings with his companions. He makes a big old list in Colossians. Um, some big old which, list. Some of which is pretty rad. I mean, Aristarchus, I think, is one of the names that, that might be considered the son of Philemon. Uh, is one of the oh. one of the thoughts that I, I read. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I wanted to actually work through the entire list, but then realized we don't have a lot of information about a lot of the people uh, in that list, but we do have some. So it's just a fun little list, I think, of his companions, though, who are encouraging him and partnering with him. John Mark was on the first missionary journey with Paul. This is one of Paul's last missionary like journeys to Rome. He's in prison now. Um, and so John Mark has been with them the majority of the time. Um, so he, he writes all that. And then he says these, these few words. He says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Um, there's some speculation as far as who was the one that was penning the letter, who was writing other things. In essence, he would be at the very least, he would be dictating it and someone would be writing right. word for word, um, whether that was Timothy or whether that was someone else, um, a different scribe. All, at the end of it, he at this point grabs the pen and signs his name specifically, which which gives it the stamp of authority. It's just like a, a check at, at, at a church or a check at a church or a business. It doesn't carry the, the weight or the value until it's signed by the right authority. Uh, and so there's some authority that Paul addresses, but it also shows like uh, love and affection and generosity towards the church of Colossae because he loves them dearly and cares about them. Uh, and so he wraps it all up with his simple signature, his Herbie Hancock, if you will, um, and says, I love you guys just with his name. So, but that's, that's the letter of Colossians. That's, that's kind of the, the gist, the very short reader's digest version <laughs> of, of what Paul's doing, what he's saying based upon the context of what's going on at the time. Well, on that note, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Let's Read the Bible. We have one more after this. Uno mas. And then no more 2021. Next next episode, 2022. Look forward to seeing you there. Um, as a reminder, we're a podcast of the Grove Church. We're not the only resource of the Grove Church. You can go on our website, grove.church, and find all of our other resources. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to financially contribute to the ministry that the Grove Church does, you can also do that on our website. There's a give button in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, but with all that being said, Merry Christmas and have a great week. 